May I speak to you in the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. I have no doubt, no doubt, that at some point each of us has heard the incorrect assertion that Judaism is the religion of the angry, punishing Old Testament God, but Christianity is different and better because it's all about love. Big sigh. With that trope in mind, I want to talk about conversations today, specifically the conversation between God and humans that we heard just now in the passage from Hosea. This is one of many passages in the Hebrew Bible that clearly debunks that lazy trope about Judaism and Christianity. How anyone could read or hear this text and not register the love and mercy in it is beyond me. Someone once said to me, the Bible is a compilation of human conversations with God where we only really hear the human side of the discussion. So it's in the cracks, in the in-between spaces that we discover God's part. For me, this passage really exemplifies that insight. Hosea writes as if God is speaking, but technically we're hearing Hosea's imagining of what God has to say. And by sharing his imagining, Hosea offers us his own lived experience of God's justice, God's mercy, God's loving kindness, and most importantly, God's faithfulness to us and to all that God has created. Hosea allows us to enter into what he hears in the still, small, silent voice of God. Last week, during announcements, Mother Liz spoke of how she had while preparing her sermon, also worked on a different sermon than the one she actually gave us, a sermon about the passage from Hosea that we heard last Sunday. In that text, we hear God telling Hosea to go take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking God. Liz offered to speak about her findings at coffee hour to anyone who would listen, and there were a bunch of us who asked her to do so. She told us that in her research, she learned that Hosea was the first, but not the last, Hebrew prophet who used the metaphor of an unfaithful spouse and the patriarchal portrayal of the woman as the whore to illustrate the faithlessness of the northern kingdom of Israel to God. Hosea specifically uses this metaphor to critique the northern kingdom's calculation of costs 
and benefits. We heard that today, of their attempt to buy their way out of being conquered by the Assyrians. Hosea asserts that they should have put their trust in God instead, and that God would have made a way out of no way. Later prophets pick up this same metaphor and use it about the southern kingdom of Judah, which would eventually be overrun by the Babylonians. What really intrigued me was that because of the profound misogyny in the text, Liz had entered in her own conversation with God, hoping to hear the text from Gomer's point of view in a way that gave agency to a woman who was so vilified in Hosea's account. And given that there is enough material in Hosea, especially as it relates to the dismissal and diminution of women, to preach many sermons, I really hope we get to hear that sermon one day. At its heart, of course, Hosea, like all prophets, is attempting to answer the important question, when bad things happen, what is the best way for us to respond and to manage our fear? When disaster looms, where do we turn? So this morning's passage, we should note, comes much later in the book. Last week's reading was in chapter 1. This one is from chapter 11 out of 14. What I noticed is that Hosea's writing follows the same pattern that we're all very familiar with in the Psalms. The despair and anguish laments of the writer are usually explored early and long, <laughs> early and often. But then closer to the end, there's a shift, which always signals the writer's reaffirmation of God's faithfulness. So our reading in Hosea today is where that shift actually takes place in his writing. Throughout the book, Hosea is speaking of his conversation with God and the resulting prophetic exhortations he makes in response to what God desires. But riffing on Liz's idea, I found myself thinking, what about Gomer? Can we see or hear her in this part of the conversation, even if Hosea does not tell us directly what she said? So here's a question. Were any of you as struck as I was by how tender the actions of God are in the passage that we read today? Think back to how Hosea describes God's works. Think back, and I ask you to do so with the memory of someone who knows what it is to raise small children or has observed others raising small children or has perhaps raised a small creature of some kind. Those of you who follow my Facebook feed know that Philippe and I got a kitten two months ago, 
So right now we are living the reality that raising any small creature, human or animal, is not always easy. One cannot reason with very little creatures. One can only be as patient as possible and show them what one desires for their own good over and over and over again through example. All the while knowing that none of us are perfect either. It's a long-term project, to say the least. And when you're living through it, the exasperation can be very real. And your patience can wear very thin indeed. So it's not surprising to me that Hosea likens the relationship of God and Israel to that of a parent and a young child. Specifically of the parent, the actions of a parent, most likely a mother, with a very, very young child. There's so many references in this passage to the loving things that a parent does with a baby or toddler, picking them up, holding them in our arms, teaching them to walk, lifting them to our cheeks for kisses and raspberries and giggles, teaching um, all those things. There is an unmistakable and aching sense of tenderness in this passage. Hosea tells us that God will not punish Israel Instead, God will continue to reach out, continue to model patience, and continue to act with love above all else, even when God is at God's wit's end. For me, it's hard to imagine a more fitting way to describe the loving faithfulness of God than to liken it to the loving actions of a primary caregiver with a very young child, a caregiver who understands and sympathizes with the willfulness, intractability, and capriciousness of someone who is only just starting to learn how to be in the world. Were these Hosea's own actions with his children? Maybe. But in a social structure as patriarchal as theirs, I think they were more likely his observations of Gomer and of other women, the primary caregivers in that time, interacting with his children. Could it be that despite the shaming inherent in the way he depicts her, the reality was that Gomer was an extraordinary mother. Could it also be that the experience of parenting was a new way for Hosea to imagine the faithfulness of God, a way that perhaps he himself had never understood or even recognized before he married her and had children with her. We all know that small animals and small children are not terribly biddable, but let's be honest, neither are adults. 
at least not nearly as biddable as we like to pretend. Our dear Ed, if he were here today, would be reminding us that our times of being most intractable are always fear-based. In the end, he would say, it's always about fear. So what could be more reassuring than hearing about a God who is there for us even then, even at our most obstinate and most unreasonable fear-driven moments? That is, it is at those moments that God loves us as a mother loves a young child. Even when the child is tired and sticky and dirty and whining with exhaustion. Even when we children in grown-up bodies are shrieking with anxieties about monsters under the bed. Monsters, mind you, that usually aren't even there. Our fears take us to such strange places. Heaven knows we can all relate to that in the past several years. How blessed we are to know that God is among us and with us, loving us into faithfulness, even though we often behave in pig-headed and maladroit ways. God's faithfulness is the constant, the plumb line that leads the way. Is it any wonder also that Jesus, a Jewish man, used the word Abba, which is not father but daddy, when teaching his disciples how to pray? Our English translation father is far too formal. So next time you pray the Lord's Prayer, I invite you to think about what word would work best for you. What word would connect you best with the loving and mothering and comforting understanding God Hosea describes? Maybe it's the special name of a grandparent you loved deeply. Maybe it's the special name of a different caregiver. Whatever that name is, I invite you to use it and let that gentle, firm, all-encompassing love wash over you as you pray. God's arms are open always, waiting to enfold us. God's smile is always ready, hoping to lift us to God's cheeks. God's hands are always steadying us as we learn to walk. We are truly blessed. Amen.